Hello and welcome to the All In Football Podcast. Uh, we're mixing it up again in the absence of Cully, who is unfortunately still um, not well. Wishing you all the best, Cully. And instead of Alex today, you'll be getting me as a host to give Alex a nice, well-earned rest. Um, as usual, I am joined by our resident Fantasy Premier League guru, Alex Rex, although that title is disputed, and our EFL enthusiast, Scotty Williams. Uh, today, we're going to be delving into the manager of the season debate uh, as the season draws to an end. And we're also going to be touching on Cavani's new contract, Newcastle's just-in-time form improvement, Big Sam's first ever relegation, and the Arteta Out Brigade. We are all in football, and we are on social media as well. So please do give us a follow on All In Football Pod on Insta and All In Football P on Twitter. And with that, boys, we'll delve straight into the debate on the Premier League manager of the season. We've only got a few games left, but most of the big, uh, big things are wrapped up. That we've got the Champions of City, and the relegation is all done and dusted with games to spare. So the last little bit that's up for grabs is the European spots. So we've got a pretty good idea of which clubs have had a successful season or not. Um, Scott, let's start with two of the managers on opposite sides of the Pennines, Bielsa and Solskjaer. Are either of these genuine candidates for manager of the season this year? Uh, no. <laughs> right, moving on. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, so I've, I've got quite strong opinions about who, who should should be in the ring uh, for manager this season. I think they should be in a discussion, starting with Oli at Man United. I think he's impressed me since he's come in and took the took the job at Man United, actually. I've always always been a big Ole Gunnar Solskjaer fan. And I think you see a lot of the, lot of uh, managers that have come in down the years and taken that extremely difficult job since Fergie left. Look at Mourinho; he came in fresh face, absolutely buzzing, and when he left, he looked like an absolutely destroyed man. For me, Oli is always upbeat. He's always, you know, having a good laugh. Always speaks really, really well, and he seems to be an unbelievable man manager. Players such as Luke Shaw, he's got the best out of. And he's also developed some other players coming into the into the role as well. Um, 68 goals this season. That's the second highest, just behind a few behind City. He's got an attacking brand of football. So yeah, he's, he's he has really impressed me. Um, and I think I think he needs to push on a little bit now. But it's been it's been refreshing from an outsider looking in that a big club like Man United has had a stable couple of seasons now with a likable, good manager in charge knows the club. And knows where to take it, so I think he should be in the uh, on the running. But um, yeah, still plenty of work to do. I think going forward, from a, from a Man United perspective or, or a Man United fan, it's just great to see progression and him getting and improving players and uh, and moving us forward every season. So um, let's hope he does same again. We've already got a higher points tally this year than we did last year. Uh, so let's hope we secure second. Maybe get uh, the Europa. We got to a final. We didn't lose in a semi final. Win the Europa League and then push on to next year. And uh, yeah, Ollie's at the wheel, lads. That's it. It's good to see him do it. I honestly think it is. Um, and the other one there, Leeds United. Well, living in Leeds, um, he, he should have already been given the award. He should be given the best manager in the world award. He should be given the World Cup, the Euros. He's just God. He's an absolute messiah. Especially that's the, that's the vibe you get living in the city. But it's I'm so happy you've come way to our, uh, come round to our way of thinking, Scott. Well, it's not my views. It's the views <laughs> of the Leeds United fans. Um, you know, uh, it's their views. I'm just an outsider looking in. <laughs> um, 
I'm always outside looking in. Sounds a bit weird, but that's me. Um, but no, what an unbelievable season. Um, I mean, we've, we've talked about Leeds a lot. A lot of pundits have talked about Leeds. Their attacking brand of football coming to the Premier League was refreshing. The way they took on the big teams, the way their energy is unbelievable. And they're an absolute joy to watch. They've been a joy to watch for a couple of seasons now, um, which is good because you know Sky, Sky used to have them on TV every single game anyway going back for the last 20 years. So it is good that they're finally playing some good football. Um, to say the the big signing in the summer was Rodrigo, who's, you know, he's, he's not had, you know, a lot, run of games with, you know, his injuries. So the fact that that's their big money signing is not really being given a chance because these players coming up, your Luke Aylands, your Stuart Dallas's, your Bamford's, they've all performed unbelievable under Bielsa. And you've just got to look at him for that. There's only 13 teams that have ever finished in the top half when they've been promoted up to the Premier League. So the fact that Leeds have got a great chance to join that really exclusive club, you've got to hand it to Bielsa and the job he's done. It's just if you can keep that going next season. Yeah, good points. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cloud the judgment with my own bias Leeds views. I obviously think Bielsa should be involved in the conversation. But uh, for Solskjaer, you know, Europa League clearly quite important for the success of the season. The rest of the trophies, Alex, are probably going to go to Man City and Chelsea. You know, they're, they're doing an unbelievable job. I know we are talking about Premier League player uh, manager of the season, but judging by the fact that City and Chelsea are going to wrap up the FA Cup, the league and the Champions League between them, um, and, and the League Cup, sorry, um, what are your thoughts on Pep and Tuchel? You know, Tuchel's done an unbelievable job taking a team that Frank Lampard had basically destroyed and turning them into <laughs> serial winners. You know, um, are both of those, surely both of those, are, uh, it's got to be one of those, Pep or Tuchel. Lampard, lowest points per game. I know 30 pointing that went out to me as a Chelsea manager in the Premier League, Tom. Um, yeah, it, there's no doubt that Tuchel's improved the team, especially defensively, and now he's getting a tune out of a moving forward in, in an attacking sense as well. Um, for me, he's still not not in the running for being manager of the season. Uh, I think Leicester will have something to say about that in the FA Cup final as well. Um but we expect this Chelsea team to be fourth in the league. And I know he's improved them, but this is sort of where you'd expect them to, to really be. Um, and then obviously you've got them doing well in the FA Cup and the Champions League, but they could still end up coming fifth and losing both finals. So there's a lot still to be said, I think, for, for Tuchel from that point. Um, on on Pep, I think people forget that it's they, they started the league a, a game week late. But of their first 12 games, they won five, drew five and lost two. And they were like sixth or seventh in the league in November. I think it And then he got them to win 15 games in a row until they lost to Man United 2-0. Just to drop that one straight in there. But 15 games in a row, he got them to win. And he got them to do it without a recognised striker. And with injuries as well for De Bruyne and, and, and other players throughout, he got Gundogan stepped up massively, etc., um, but he got them to play in a different style, a different way, with the false nine, brought through Foden as well this year. Um, I think this is his most impressive title in, in England. And I think it's, um, it's not by a long way, because obviously they beat Liverpool to the title by winning all those games that time. But I think the obstacles that he's had to overcome make Pep, for me, probably the number one candidate at the moment. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably a, a good way of looking at it. The only thing I'd say is I do actually think Tuchel deserves more credit than perhaps you've given him there, Alex, because you know he has he really has done some job with Chelsea, and I know you talk about that, that team should be in top four, 
but it wasn't like they were in the top four when he took that team on. You know, they were really struggling. And the clean sheets, you know, the, just how solid he's made them defensively is unbelievable in such a short space of time. And to be challenging for silverware and for people to be talking to them as, as title challengers next year instead of Liverpool or Man United is a pretty big deal. So, um, yeah, I, I personally think Tuchel probably deserves a massive amount of credit for that second half of the season job. Um Scott, we all know your love affair with West Ham. You know, no secret, player of the season, four nails. So, with that outside shout, um, you've got to think that Moyes is in with a good shout of a of manager of the season. But how dependent is that on whether they get a Champions League place, which is looking unlikely, to be honest? Yeah, um, for me, 100% dependent on that. I've, I've said in the past, I think the manager of the year should go to the title winners or someone that has massively overachieved. So, if... West Ham got into the top four. I think that is in, them incredibly overachieving. If they got into Europe, which there's still a chance they can drop out of the European positions as well, I think you go good season. But for a team like West Ham, it's not the biggest surprise maybe in the world. But um, for me, it's massive that they need to get in that Champions League for him to be player of the, uh, sorry, manager of this season. It's an unbelievable job. They were 16th last season. They're only five points off getting relegated uh, with 39 points. Um, so 19 points better off already with games to go. He's brought some brilliant players in and got them playing well. You look at Dawson, Kufal, Suchek. And the fact that they've not had Mikel Antonio for a lot of the season as well. So he's had to rely on others such as um, your, your Jared Bowens and your Jesse Lingard's one inspired signing that was in January. So top four for me, he wins the Manager of the Year award. Other than that, Pep, for me, would should, should get it. I think I'd, I'd probably tend to agree, Scott. And just so you know, four nails uh, top in the last six games for successful final third passes yeah. for, uh, for for West Ham. Um, but yeah, I think the way that he's got them to move forward, the way he's developed them and progressed them is is insane. I think the job he's done from 16th to being fifth in the league at the moment, if he gets Champions League, I think it's an absolute no-brainer. I think even if he comes fifth or sixth, it's still a real. I think it's still a real debate. But what an amazing job he's done! I I think it's definitely down on the Champions League performance because if he finishes outside the top four, yeah, undoubtedly it's a great job going from fifteenth, sixteenth in the Premier League to to fifth or sixth. But lots of teams have done that before, and it's a question of whether they'd hold. If it, you know, if he did that long term, brilliant. But as a one-off coming fifth or sixth, I don't think justifies it after however many years West Ham have been in the Premier League and enjoying the fruits of that financial reward. Um, but someone who does look like they're going to get Champions League this year is Brendan Rodgers with Leicester, Alex. And, uh, you know, they're on for a pretty good season. If they get Champions League and they manage to win the FA Cup against uh, Chelsea, is Brendan Rodgers not uh, not worth a shout? He doesn't get seen to talk a lot in this conversation at the moment, but Brendan Rodgers done an unbelievable job this year. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I think if they come third and win the FA Cup, it, it's a, it's and obviously West Ham finished, let's say fifth or sixth. Brendan's got to be right in there as, as, as for the conversation. It, again, it, what we were talking about under Solskjaer, what we were talking about under Moyes, what, what all of these guys have in common, obviously, but Pep, they're still going to get a, a bigger points total than they did last season. So. It is still progression, but all of these managers have made progression and large amounts of it. And I've been so impressed with Leicester this season. I, I, like the, they've overcome um, a lot of injury 
crisis and problems. They've overcome morons going to COVID house parties and being complete <laughs> idiots before one of their biggest games of the season that could have cost them massively, which yeah. is it, which is unacceptable. And for me, very close to being unforgivable. Um, but last season, they came fifth. They got 62 points at the moment. They're third. They've got 66 points moving forward again. He's also brought through youth. He's put this trust... Ricardo Pereira is back for his trust in James Justin. He's brought Luke Thomas through. Wesley Pafan is a young lad. Um, indeed, he's got the best of the chip. Incredible player. He's even got Madison performing well. And Ian Acho, he's got him to progress uh, when Vardy has just not been firing. So, uh, yeah, I'm super, super impressed with Leicester this season. Third third in the FA Cup and West Ham come fifth. It's between then Rodgers and, uh, and Pep for me. So much of it, I think, like Scott said, if you're not winning the league, it has to be some standout achievement to to get you in that that conversation, doesn't it? So we talk a lot about the great jobs all these clubs have done, and like you say, all progressed. But ultimately, it's going to take some kind of big result. You know, West Ham in the top four, Leicester in the top uh, top three in FA Cup for one of them to prize that away from Pep because City have had an unbelievable season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, well, uh, that will round up the manager of the season contender. But if I was to ask you both quickly for your one pick, who would it be? Gut feeling, who's going to win it? Pep. Pep for you, Rex. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. Uh, Pep, yeah. And Pep as well, yeah. Uh, brilliant. Um, well, with that, we will move on. And I'm going to pass over to uh, Scott to give us our, the first of our EFL sections. Cheers, Tommy. So, yeah, last uh, last time we'll be doing this this season. So, obviously, it was the big, big final weekend of Football League action this weekend. Uh, so, we're starting as we always do in the Championship. So, with promotion and the playoffs already sealed, the attention then turned to the relegation fight between Derby, Rotherham, Chef Wednesday and Wickham. Rotherham knew they needed the win against Cardiff and for Derby to drop points against Chef Wednesday to stay up. And if anyone thought that the Derby Chef Wednesday game would be a cagey affair, the second half was anything but. Chef Wednesday took the lead in the first half stoppage time through Sam Hutchinson to take them within 45 minutes of possible safety. Rooney, however, clearly got the boys fired up at half time as goals from Martin Waghorn and a fantastic finish from Patrick Roberts turned the game on its head going into the final 30 minutes. However, this topsy turvy game would turn on its head again. Within the space of seven minutes, with goals from Callum Patterson and Julian Borner giving Chef Wednesday the slender lead. While all this commotion was going on, Wickham were winning against Middlesbrough, but not by enough, so they knew their race was done. Rotherham, however, had taken an eighth-minute goal through Lewis Wing and were hanging on to all three points against Cardiff. That was until an 88th-minute Marlon pack strike for Cardiff shattered Rotherham's championship survival hopes. The game ended 1-1 with Rotherham's fate being sealed. Back to the Derby game and because of a nasty looking injury to Martin Waghorn, they were about eight minutes behind the Rotherham one. And then in the 78th minute, Waghorn himself slotted home a penalty to square it up at 3-3. With the game at Rotherham finishing, Rooney knew a point would be good enough to keep them on the float and despite some heavy Chef Wednesday pressure, they limped over the line. An horrendous season for Derby finishing on a slight positive Big improvements needed for them next season. Heartbreak for underdogs Rotherham and uh, Wickham, who were heavily tipped to go down at the start of the season. The fact they took it into the final game of the season is really full credit to them. And that minus six points to Chef Wednesday ultimately cost them. There's still a slight chance of a points deduction for Derby after an appeals panel found them guilty 
of financial regulations stretching back to their first charge in January 2020. However, any points deduction would likely to be next season after an appeals process. At the top of the league, we finally have our final, uh, sorry, we finally have our playoff games. First legs, we'll see Brentford at home to Bournemouth on May the 17th and then Swansea at home to Barnsley. With fans back in the stadium, this is going to be an incredible thing to look forward to. And it got me thinking, as obviously I was going to, about your favourite playoff moments. And uh, yeah, it's going to start with you, Tommy. What sticks in your mind? I think there's uh, one that sticks out, isn't there? And it's Watford-Leicester. I mean, unbelievable. I know it wasn't a final, uh, but second leg of a semi-final in the playoffs. So much riding on it. Um, and, you know, the, normally you get quite nervy games. So the ones that are high scoring, like the Leicester-Watford ones, always stick out to me. And, uh, yeah, for knockout to have the opportunity to kill the game off with a penalty and then for it to go down the other end. I mean, and by the way, brilliant save in the midst of that. Go down the other end and score a goal. Troy Deeney, so composed, you know, brilliant, brilliant finish with that much pressure riding on it. It was just a brilliant moment. You don't often see goals. That would have been an amazing moment if it was a normal game. If it was a friendly, that would have been an amazing moment. But to put it in a playoff semi-final where there's so much riding on it, uh, I think that's the one that probably most people will remember as a massive playoff moment. Yeah, I have to agree. And the commentary on it, both live commentary and the guy that was doing the Sky Sports news commentary, it's just fantastic. It really makes it as well. And yeah, the double save from Almunia and uh, Dini's shirt off in the crowd. Zola slipping on the pitch. Fantastic. It's a bit sour for them that they lost the final. Uh, but um, <laughs> but yeah. they'll always have that moment, you know. Sometimes sometimes moments are worth it. Moments are worth it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a brilliant one. Uh, Alex? Uh, the one that um, came to my mind was the uh, Charlton-Sunderland 4-4 game in the uh, the old First Division playoff final in 1998. Um, and again, because you know I must love my Sky Sports documentaries, uh, but I watched uh, watched the one about that most uh, most recently. And Charlton came from behind in the game, and Clive Mendonca got a hat trick for Charlton, and apparently he's a Sunderland fan, which I didn't know until I watched the documentary. <laughs> and uh, he, he uh, got it to the penalty shootout was, uh, on the fourteenth penalty, and Michael Gray missed. I think he put it over the crossbar, um, and uh, that sent Charlton to the Premier League. And then uh, on the Sunderland Till I Die documentary, then they ended up facing each other again, didn't they? In uh, the League One playoff final, was that last year? It was last year? Uh, was it the year before? Last year or the year before. before. Um, and obviously Charlton got the better of Sunderland again. And uh, yeah, just what what an amazing final. Uh, so many moments. I, yeah, I've got to say though, that, that the Deeney moment is just one that I get goosebumps every time I watch it. Great moment. Yeah, it's just been everywhere, hasn't it? Because I think it's just been the anniversary of when it happened. So yeah, I've watched it about eight times in the last two days. It's an incredible one. It's There's one so... of those. It's one of those ones like the Aguero one, isn't it? Where I think everybody oh, doesn't Aguero, matter if they were a Aguero. city. Yeah, but it doesn't matter if they're a city fan or a Watford fan. It doesn't matter. Everybody celebrated it just because it was unbelievable. Every, everyone, maybe maybe not quite everyone, but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what an amazing moment! Secretly, everyone, see, <laughs> face down on the floor, I was like. <laughs> No, it was it was some great moments there. And I'm just going to finish on mine. It's It's been an awful year for my football club, so I'm just going to talk about some happier times. Mentioned it last week, actually, the 2009 playoffs, which we scraped into in the last game. And we, uh, Leeds United, one of the teams in there. I was very, very much looking forward to a Scuddy Leeds final. But, um, yeah, they couldn't quite get over the line against Millwall. 
We beat MK Dons, went to penalties. It was about 13-12. Tori Andre Flo missed the decisive penalty for MK Dons. Took us to the final, to the final against Millwall. Baking hot day. Uh, they had about 40,000 fans there. We had like six. Obviously massively outnumbered. We went 1-0 up. They went 2-1 up with one of the best goals you'll ever see in a playoff final. It was unbelievable. And then we turned on its head and won 3-2. What a day out. I was there with my mother and... I can't tell you, it's still one of the best days of my life. And yeah, you can't beat the playoffs when you win, but it's absolutely heartbreaking, of course, when you lose. I was very close to going for Watford when, when they when they won the playoff final a few years ago, but I couldn't quite remember the team they beat. Um, so, oh. yeah. Uh, picking, picking, picking on Leeds today, picking on Leeds today. Ah, you for the Premier League, you'd be right. Do, do, you know, do you know what, though? Uh, I think what you just said is so true. It, winning the playoffs is the best way to get promoted, but it's also yeah. the worst thing to go through. Yeah. We'd been there. I'd, I'd been there about a month before when we got to the football league final playoff, and we'd lost. And um, yeah, it's it was horrendous then, and that was for that. So to go back or travel all that way, and uh, yeah, was, thankfully we won. And yeah, what a day and what a bus ride home! It was incredible. Yeah, thanks for that, Scott. Um, you know, I don't want to talk about playoffs too much more, to be honest, because Leeds' experience with them has been absolutely dire. Uh, but yeah, some really, really good examples of some great playoff games. And um, I think with most of the se- most of the big things wrapped up early this year, you know, relegation in the Premier League sorted, the title's already done, um, the playoffs are going to provide us some, uh, some much-needed excitement over the coming weeks. So uh, really looking forward to those. Um, so we've got a few more discussion points to move on to. And the first one, Scott, is the big news uh, coming out of Manchester United this week, which is Cavani signing a one-year extension. Um, massive, massive deal for the club. And does this also indicate some of Man United's summer transfer policy? Does it mean that they're probably likely to go for Sancho as their big money signing and maybe not go for Mr. Haaland? I think so, yeah. I think they've um, Cavani's been an absolute... It's been brilliant this season, hasn't he? I think he's done it. I think we're all panicking that it would be another another Falcao, but he's he's been incredible, and it's just shown that actually he can he can lead that line. And with Mason Greenwood's coming in, I know he predominantly plays off the right, but I think he's shown that he actually can play down the uh, the middle, similar to Rashford as well. So, yeah, I think we're going I think we're in for a summer of a Sancho saga again, especially the way he's ending the season in the Bundesliga. Um, not sure what his opinions are. Does he want to come back to the England play in England? I'm not too sure, but I think there's not too many strikers out there in my mind that that jumps to mind other than your your big boys, your Lewandowski's, your Haaland's. So I think it's a smart move, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do with a year's exp- uh, Premier League experience under his belt. For me as well, it, it it sort of typifies. Sorry, Tom, on the on what we were looking at is it feels like all the news now is is Kane to City. And Haaland not being sold by Dortmund until next year, unless someone's willing to pay 150 million pounds for him, because it looks like Dortmund now are going to get top four in in um, in Champions League in, in the Bundesliga. So it feels like to me that Man United have been told, you ain't getting a striker, you ain't getting Kane, you ain't getting Haaland this year. So um, this is what we need to get Cavani, and we're going to invest then in the the right side of player and the centre back. So, and I think the other thing with Cavani as well is. Greenwood, how good has he been over the last few weeks? And there's a lot of credit being put on Cavani for that because apparently he's kind of taken him under his wing, you know, as a lot of senior players tend to do. But probably 
worth the value. If he can deliver what he's delivered with Greenwood over the last few weeks, it's almost worth the contract extension, isn't it, just for that? Yeah, definitely. You can see it on the pitch. They're talking to each other on the pitch and, and uh, he's giving him pointers and directions. And Greenwood's been fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see either Sancho or Haaland come to the Premier League. Um, I prefer they didn't go to Manchester United, so this is probably a good thing. Uh, Alex, uh, kind of opposite end of the table, um, but it looks like Newcastle, uh, Bruce has somehow turned it around, late last minute form and uh, given them a bit of an injection of last minute season form. Uh, They've got a great win against Newcastle, but extremely telling that this return of form has coincided with uh, a couple of returns from injury in Wilson and St. Maximan. So, yeah, Newcastle, a bit of miraculous turnaround. Does Bruce keep the job for next year? And do you think he's got the potential to actually deliver them a great season next season? Or is it just going to be another survival battle? I'm not sure about a great season, just because Callum Wilson's just always injury prone. Um, so this isn't a one-off season for Wilson to be injured. Um, so that's the issue he's got. But, you know, he's, he's only started 23 games and he's been he's had 18 goal involvements. Um, over the season between Wilson and St Maximan, they have had 26 goal involvements between them and then without them. Only 23 goals have happened when they haven't been involved in them. So they are the they're the key. Uh, we had this conversation on one of the first episodes of the podcast that we did. Without them too, Newcastle would have got relegated. And I still believe that wholeheartedly. I think they, it would be a final day of the season. Battle and Newcastle, who would go down. And I think that's where they would be. So, yeah, um, I think Bruce has done a good job. It's not his fault that they've got injured. He needs probably one other player, attacking player, um, going forward into next season. Um, And I think he, uh, for me, Steve Bruce, maybe I've got a soft spot for him because he was our captain at Man United for a long time or whatever else. Maybe, Maybe I'm a bit of a soft touch with Steve Bruce, but what's he done wrong? Like at Newcastle this season, for everyone to hate him so much, nothing. And I think it's the I think it's the wet style of football he's linked with, isn't it? Newcastle but, having their head that they're this stylish football club, and so Steve Bruce is a bit of a Sam Allardyce. He's so not very elitist. yeah, oh, but so he's, elitist. he's not it's very he's nonsense. not very sexy. He's a Roy Hodgson. He's a Sam Allardyce. He's a kind of he he reminds people of a different type of football like an old players are playing he beats Leicester 4-2 like I just I genuinely I just I don't I do not understand why he gets so much stick that's all I I do think it's the style of football he's linked with I think if you think about the Crystal Palace Roy Hodgson what a job Roy Hodgson has done for a number of years with that club people people are going to be happy probably Crystal Palace fans are going to be happy to see the end of him just because it means somebody else can come in, someone maybe a bit younger, a bit more. And it's, like well, I say, it's that, sexy, it's that sexy manager. I mean, if they get Lampard, brilliant, because they'll be back in the Championship the year after. So that would be great <laughs> news. But uh, no, look, I think Steve Bruce has done brilliant at Newcastle, but I do think it's the, the brand of football that gets in the negative press. Uh, Scott, another struggling side, but unfortunately one that has not been able to t- turn it around. It's the the Boing Boing Baggies who are back down into the championship once again. A bit of a rinse, wash, repeat situation for them. And, uh, you know, Sam Allardyce's first relegation. It's being uh, taught that Wilder might step in and replace him should he leave. Is that a good appointment or are they just swapping like for like? And can we expect West Brom to bounce back? Um, I certainly don't think they're swapping like for like. I think the look back to last year, the football that Wilder had is is, is pretty inventive in the football he's had, and he's a like a lot of Premier League fans won't know because they don't give a shit what's in the Premier League. They're such like ugh, they suck up. They're an arse, a lot of them. 
But he's an absolute legend when it comes to uh, um, managers in the, in the lower league. He's just look at his track record. He brought Oxford up from the conference. He's he, he took Northampton to the title. And then what he did with Sheffield United is one of the greatest accomplishments in the history of football. He took them up from League One. He almost got them into the playoffs next season. He then got them up the next season and then got them in an unbelievable finish in the Premier League. What a, what a four seasons that is. That's not been done before, ever. So I think he'll do great wherever he goes. A lot of people just see him as the Sheffield United manager when actually he's been, he's been around a long time. And yeah, I think you'll definitely get West Brom up next year if he goes there. Yeah, absolutely. If they keep Pereira. That's, I think it's well, a big they're not they're not going to keep him, are they? No, and I think that's going to be their problem: uh, creativity and who they who they buy just to replace the guy that's obviously going to leave. Uh, but other than that, I agree completely with everything that Scott said there. To be honest, yeah, I mean, we've talked about relegation before, and what the, you know how teams bounce back. And like you say, it's it's a combination of being able to maintain the style of play, but also maintain the players. So if they switch manager and lose some of those key assets like Pereira, they're going to struggle to bounce straight back. I would think. I think I think these last few months has been good though for Chris. He's uh, he's obviously you know sat down and uh, it's really regrouped. I mean yeah, me and Chris Wilder best mates. <laughs> you were on the phone uh, to coffee with him. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's been yeah, been for a couple of pints with him, um, and it's refreshed and I think he's ready to go again. From well, I mean. We're talking about Chris Wilder to West Brom and Cully, bless him, not here. But, you know, Chris Wilder's the next Liverpool manager, according to him. So once uh, Klopp's been sat for not getting Champions League again next year, it'll be, it'll be straight into Liverpool. They'll do a job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so another manager that potentially we talked about as being a bit of a failure this year is Arteta. And Alex, you've like questioned whether what the Arteta project is. You know, what's he trying to achieve at Arsenal? Um, but they are third in the form table since Christmas, behind only Man United and Man City. Has it, have they secretly been good this whole time? Because there's been a lot of negative press about them. So is it? do we have to start saying that Arteta is doing an unbelievable job with a fairly mixed bag of players? You're talking about half the season. I'm sure Liverpool were top at Christmas, weren't they? Like that just goes to show <laughs> which half the season makes a difference. But, well, um, yeah. It, no, I mean, I had to look at that stat because you sent me that over in the prep, in the prep for the for the podcast, and I was like, third, really? Uh, the only table I could find was that they were sixth in twenty twenty one. That's all the only table I could find that was. Um, I, was Chris, I think it's since Christmas, so that'll include the Boxing Day games and things like that. Yeah. And they're for, forty one points they've accumulated, which puts them in fifth. So um, the one that I found obviously was sick, but the, no surprise, the head of Villa, Liverpool and Spurs, who obviously all started the season really, really, well, not really, really well, well, uh, and then uh, have tailed off. Arteta is starting to play the kids more and people who are showing passion and drive. And Smith Rowe last night against Chelsea um, just showed what a player who actually cares and listens to instruction can do. Um, and it's amazing to see like a player like that and everyone like, almost like lead by example. Um, and he's sort of dragging some of the other ones with him. And Arteta, I'm still, I'm still not convinced, if I'm honest, but I have enjoyed seeing a few of the young players coming through. And maybe that is the Arteta way. Maybe that is what it is. But uh, I'm sorry, if anybody says that Arsenal have had any remote success this season, they are very, very wrong ninth in the league and no trophies so it, it's not a success 
definitely not. It's a similar story to maybe Solskjaer, you know, in that he didn't perform maybe as well as people hoped initially, but he's been given time and they're now starting to potentially, potentially see the fruits of that labour. Is it a similar thing with Arsenal? They were just so far gone that actually this second half of the season shows the positive signs for them. Do you know what? It really annoys me how much everyone compared like Solskjaer to Lampard and Arteta. Like, it just, what, I mean, look at the job Solskjaer's done and compared to, I mean, obviously Arteta's, it, Arsenal's a different budget to Man United. I get it. I yeah, that. what, what, what's your bias here, Alex? What's your bias? But, but it just annoys me how he's just jo- jo- like thrown into the same pot as Lampard who failed and Arteta who's failing this season and Solskjaer's progressed the club three years in a row. So I just it's just, they're not even comparisons to me. Fair enough, fair enough. I think time will tell when it, one half of a season does not make a, a great club. Um, so, Liverpool yeah, back-to-back we'll champions if it was half a season. Sorry. <laughs> That's true. That is true. <laughs> but then again, City's second half of the season won in the title, so... Fair play. Yeah. Uh, anyway, moving on from Arteta, uh, we're going to move back to Scott for the second part of the EFL roundup. Cheers, Tom. So, last couple of leagues to get through now. So, starting in League One on Sunday, and only one loose end to tie up, and that was that of the playoffs. So, going into the weekend, Blackpool, Sunderland, Lincoln knew they were all assured of a playoff place. However, Charlton, Oxford, and Portsmouth were still finding out for that final position. So, going into the weekend, Pompey were in pole position, knowing a win for them, and they would be assured of that sixth place. However, a 23rd minute Adam Phillips goal for Atkinson Stanley was the only goal of the game. A bit of shithousery as well from Adam Phillips as well. He whipped out the James Waterprouse golf swing celebration when he scored. Obviously, Pompey and Southampton being massive, massive rivals. So that was uh, it's funny for everyone that's uh, not a Portsmouth fan. Uh, so the loss for Pompey meant wins for Oxford and Charlton could see them into that last playoff place. Charlton did beat Champions Hull. However, with their inferior goal difference, they knew they needed Oxford to drop points against Burton. Something which was never in doubt is Oxford romps were a 4-0 win to seal the final playoff place. What a job Kyle Robinson has done getting him to back-to-back playoffs in League One. Incidentally, though, he won't be on a touchline for any of the playoff games. That's including the potential final. As He's been given a four-game touchline ban for an incident that happened against Sunderland on April the 2nd. Read into that, there's a lot of headbutts involved. So, uh, yeah, it looks like it was very much deserved. Uh, not the head, but the ban, by the way. Um, so it will be Oxford at home to Blackpool on the 18th of May. Well, Lincoln will host Sunderland in their first leg on the 19th of May. couple of things to uh, mention at the back end of League One. Danny Cowley signed a new long-term deal at Portsmouth despite their final day failure. 40-year-old Jay's Compender played his 695th and final appearance with Doncaster. That is a definition of a club legend. And Robbie Fowler is in talks to become Swindon Town's next manager. And finally, into League Two, all the drama again at the top, uh, with Grimsby and Southend already being relegated to the National League. Bolton and Cambridge knew that three points would take them up with Cheltenham, and they made it relatively comfortable for themselves. Cambridge won 3 0 against Grimsby, and Bolton beat Crawley 4 1 to take them up. Congratulations to them both. And what a turnaround for Bolton, who are sitting in 20th back in December. Cheltenham beat Harrogate 4-1 to crown them champions. Morecambe knew that they would be in the, play- in the playoffs despite a 2-0 win against Bradford. Newport got the point they needed to secure a playoff place. Forest Green Rovers thumped Oldham 3-0 to give them the win they needed. A fantastic season for the small vegan outfit. 
And Tramier got the point they needed to finish seventh and in that final playoff position. However, massive news come out on Tuesday morning with Tramier manager Keith Hill getting sacked. He took over in November and took them from 13th into the playoffs. But two wins from their last 11 has meant the chairman has made the huge decision to sack Hill just days before the playoff semis. Finally, despite a win for Salford, they miss out by two points. Really disappointing season, actually, for the class of 92 boys who have invested heavily in the club. So first legs, we'll see Tramia host Markham on May the 20th and Newport hosting Forest Green Rovers two days earlier on May the 18th. A couple of last things to mention. Bradford sack managers Mark Truman and Connor Sellers after a run of seven games without a win. Warsaw have parted company with head coach Brian Dutton. And club legend at Leighton Orient, Joby Makinoff, will not be given the permanent role. The player manager was given the reins for the final 16 games, winning six, but the club have decided to go in a different direction. And that is everything for myself. Back to you, Tom. A couple of things that just stood out there. Bolton, unbelievable achievement. And um, Tranmere, you know, I can't think off the top of my head of any other club ever having done, done that. There must be some examples, I would guess. But unbelievable. I can say pretty... I've I've known clubs, including my own, in the past that have sacked managers while been in them playoff positions, but not when the season's finished and a few days before some semis. Yeah, it's it's surprising to say the least. But Keith Hill's certainly a manager, which I guess if you got on the wrong end of him, he's a very passionate and in-your-face manager. So, yeah, I can kind of see there's been some issues somewhere there. But, yeah, interesting one. Um, so happy that we've got fans back in the playoffs. They're going to be exciting to watch this season, definitely. Yeah, similar vibes to the Mourinho and Spurs situation, really, just before a cup final. So, yeah, yeah brilliant. Thanks for that, Scott. Um, and I'm going to hand straight over to our guru on fantasy football, Mr. Alex Rex. Uh, take us away, Alex. Talk to us fantasy. Right, you've got to bear with me, lads. I've got two deadlines to get through uh, before um, the, the next podcast. So, right. Triple game week review, 35. First triple game week for 14 years or whatever it was. Um, I'm not going to go through all of the players that got double-digit hauls because 22 of them did uh, in total, so that'll take a while. Uh, Emil Smithrow, Mason Greenwood and Eze um, got the most points out of the top three uh, players so far. And obviously Greenwood's got another game to go. All three young English talents. That was nice. Actually, I was quite, quite pleased to see that. Um, two games left to play, uh, Villa Everton and obviously Man United Liverpool tonight. Uh, Cully's game week review, he used his bench boost this week. He's got 90 points so far and a good green arrow. Uh, Tommy Hughes, 78 points four, uh, with a minus four, so 74 net. Four players left to play as of the beginning of this podcast and an overall rank rise to 911,000 uh, in the world. Talk us through your game week. Uh, what a start I had, you know, all my defensive assets picking up points, uh, Trent, Aspilicueta, Coleman, Mendy, you know, Mendy with a penalty save, you know, was just a massive, massive uh, win for me. Yeah, Ian Acho, Bamford, uh, Salah captain, so obviously got a game with him. Really happy with some of those uh, results. I wish I'd backed Dallas instead of Kane now, but it's all easy to say in hindsight. Uh, but he has been on unbelievable form, so it wouldn't have been a, it wouldn't have been a crazy decision. But I think ultimately what's let me down this week is the fact that I will not put scum players in my team. Um, so all those people with Manchester United players, Greenwood, uh, Bruno, they've had uh, really good weeks. Yeah, definitely. How are you set up for next week? Have you got? Um, can you put eleven players out for blank game week thirty six? I've got I've got ten players. I've got my transfer, which will take me to eleven. Um, Saka is probably going to be the player that comes out for me, and I'm just 
trying to consider whether Rafinha will be fit for the weekend. Uh, Bielsa mm-hmm. was a bit coy on it, uh, but he would be my choice if he was fit. So it's either going to be Rafinha or Harrison for me to take me up to 11, but I've not. Got, I've got a couple of dodgy options in there. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, it's going to be for me to get 11 players out this weekend. It's going to be pretty close. Uh, Scott, 72 points with five players left to play. Uh, small green hour to 143k. Your game week? Yeah, not not too shabby. Uh, Bamford on the bench, first sub, not coming on. It's a bit upsetting. Uh, we're nine points, but but other than that, yeah, some some big performances. Greenwoods brought him in on the back of your advice, so cheers for that. Um, you know, wish I wish I captained him now, but you know I've still got Salah as my captain, so yeah, good. And then Ian Atcher has just been doing it for a few weeks, so some more points for him. And yeah, with Tommy there with the with Mendy, um, nice penalty save, nice. Nice three points that Sergio Aguero gave us there, which was uh, it's always fun, isn't it? So, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Lovely, and you've got your free hit to use this week coming up, which is very exciting. Yeah, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm waiting for you to tell me. <laughs> Let me, uh, I'll, I'll just say one of, the, one of the things is, the great thing is, the great thing is, is that you've got loads of options. The bad thing is, is that you've got loads of options. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a really tricky one. Sent the lads over my uh, prep for everyone listening. You know, I had two sides of A4's worth of statistics. So let's just try and get this into as, as nightly, nice and uh, neatly packed as I can do. Um, I got 93 points so far, not taking any hits. I've got six players left to play, so I had a really good week. I'm um, up to 125k overall. Um, just no, no mo, no mo salad tonight, please. I'll have none of that. Uh, so uh, yeah, big, big rise. So I'm happy with that. Uh, got onto the questions for game week 36. So we had one coming from uh, one of my good friends Jamie about his free hit. He's also playing it this week. Um, so I had a look through all of the statistics and. There are probably only four players, if not five, that are must-haves. I'd say four that are must-haves um, if you're setting up a free-hit team. Uh, Trent and Salah against West Brom, pretty obvious. Uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, 2-2 two and two now, and he's playing Sheffield United. Um, and I'd go as far as say Stuart Dallas with the form that he's in against Burnley. Um, I think he's a player that you can't really not put in. Um, and then the other debate is, is a Spurs attacker. I think you need to have one of those in. You could go real high cover or Son, but I do like the look of Bale. He is top of the statistics for Spurs uh, most recently in terms of goals scored. I think he scored four of the six goals under Mason so far. So he's definitely one to consider. I've looked at the fixtures. There's lots of good options. Um, Sheffield United have the worst attack in the league and also um, the worst defence. So... I'd look at tripling up on Everton this week in a free-hit team. I would look at Luca Dina um, as a, a pretty solid option. Seamus Coleman it has started again tonight, and he is playing right-side midfield, the right wing-back, so he's definitely an option as well. I don't think there's that many good picks in goal, so I think Jordan Pickford actually is a shout. Um, and in my free-hit draft that I put together that I'll put out on Instagram, uh, Jordan Pickford is the goalkeeper that I'd selected. Um, I would look at the Liverpool attack against West Brom's defence. West Brom, uh, Liverpool have the best expected goals uh, in the league of the last six game weeks, and uh, West Brom only have a worse XG conceded statistic, uh, worsened by Sheffield United. Um, so I would look at on top of Trent and Salah. The man Mane statistics look fantastic. He is second for goals scored. He's third for points. He's uh, third for XG. He's second for assists. He's first for big chances created all in the last six game weeks for Liverpool. 
want that outside shot, 5.4% owned, Sadio Mane is a, is a really good shout, I think. If you want to get a third Liverpool player in and not invest as heavily in Liverpool midfield, then Nat Phillips is the absolute no-brainer. I think he's 4.1 million as a defender. Just get him in um, 100% as part of your team. Um, and it depends on how different you, you want to go, because the other things you could look at are goalkeepers, Meslier Martinez, all decent options. Defensively, I really like Soufal at the moment as well for West Ham. Soufal's statistics are absolutely fantastic. He is third for points in the last six game weeks. He's first for assists with four. He's first for big chances created. He's third for successful final third passes and second for successful crosses for um, West Ham. So he is a really good option as well if you need someone a little bit more budget. I think he's 4.7 million as, as an option. I'd shy, I mean, you, you could go for the obvious Diaz at the back, um, but I think he's very expensive. Um, I know Newcastle don't have Callum Wilson, he's out for the rest of the season, but then you're spending a lot of money in defence. Uh, and also don't look past def uh, bench players, Alioski and Lorente. Alioski, again, really good statistics. Um, he's uh, second for assists. Uh, he has been second for successful final third passes and also in the top five for crosses. He's been really creative as well for Leeds and also so is Luke Ayling. Um, he's also been really high up in exactly the same statistics um, as well as he was first for big chances created for Leeds United's entire team in the last six game weeks. So, again, 4.4 million. Uh, midfielders... You could also go for um, a City player if you want to enter the roulette. You're going to have to have a stronger bench. But it looks to me as if Phil Foden at £6 million, there's no better chance to own him. Uh, and obviously you've got to look at Riyad Mahrez's form at uh, just over £8 million. Um, then your other ones are Eze. I mean, you could look at Westwood if you want to. He's on, in form for Burnley. Uh, and obviously Rafinha if he's fit. Um, strikers is where you've got loads of options. Um in my team that I put together, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I'd go Danny Ings um, if I was putting together a free hit draft. Uh, looking at uh, Southampton, they're facing Fulham, um, who are about 15th for goals conceded in the last six games. And Danny Ings is also on form. Uh, and then you could also look at Chris Wood, who's on great form. He's on fire, isn't he, at the moment? Uh, but yeah, Dan Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Danny Ings would be two that I'd definitely have in there. Um, so those are the options. Hopefully, I've tried to cover them as concise as I can do for the um, for the for the free hit guys. A draft they put together: uh, Pickford, Trent, Dini, Dallas, Salamane, Bale, Foden, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Danny Ings, and Chris Wood. That's a starting eleven I, I put together as a as a free hit draft. Um, but uh, obviously, I'll have a, a nice look at that and put that out as well. And we've got a question about top ten k and the uh, the amount of players people will be putting out on average this week from uh, from Jack, our uh, our good friend who's top of our mini league and uh, battling it out in the top ten k. So well in there, Jack, and get as high finish as you possibly can do this season, uh, representing our mini league really well in the top ten k. Um, looking at the our averagely owned players in the top ten thousand managers, we're looking at probably between uh, well probably about nine outfield players players will have so actually i think that there'll be 10 or 11 that people will put out this week including transfers um but they won't have substitutes on the bench so a couple of them could be a bit tenuous so probably about 10 players i think would be the average people are putting out this week um bear in mind that 247 of them have their free hit left them have their wild card left so that's about 500 um that's five percent of the top 10k will just be playing those chips anyway um Briefly, want to go on to uh, other players for the run-in. So guys who don't have free hits, uh, we'll be looking at the, uh, the fixture difficulty rating chart. I had a look at that and the teams that have the best fixtures for the rest of the season are Leeds and Liverpool. Uh, 
rating of six, lower the better for fixture difficulty rating. Um, Leeds, Burnley, Southampton, West Brom, uh, Liverpool, West Brom, Burnley, Crystal Palace. Touched on those options uh, already, but Bamford has to be in there as well as an option for Leeds long term. West Ham next, Brighton, West Brom and Southampton. Brighton uh, uh, next, yeah, West Ham next. Uh, touched on those guys. Uh, Sue Fowler thinks a great option. Antonio has to be in the mix uh, as well as um, uh, obviously uh, Lingard can't be overlooked. And then you're looking at Spurs and Man City, who are the other ones to bear in mind, who also have good fixtures along with Everton. So relatively obvious picks from, from there that we've already covered. Uh, captains for game week 36, you're looking at Salah or Kane and maybe even Dominic Calvert-Lewin. You could go for a City player if you want to go different because Mares against Newcastle, Foden against Newcastle could be an option. But again, you're gambling that they're going to start. And the deadline for this week is 6.30 on Friday and the deadline for game week 37 is Tuesday at 4.30, so don't get caught out by that one before Man United play Fulham at 6 o'clock on Tuesday. Um, Bruno playing Fulham, Salah playing Burnley, but also Everton, Leeds, Spurs, West Ham and City all have good fixtures that I've touched on. So there's really good captaincy options, but I couldn't really look much further than Mo Salah for both game weeks. If you've got him, and I don't, so I'm panicking. And back to you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, a lot of information there. I think yeah, covering two game weeks right at the the business end of the season is tough. I've got a sweat on there, Tom. I've got a sweat <laughs> on covering that. So I hope you bear with me on that one, please, lads. Well, a lot of different <laughs> options, you know. Um, really, really, really interesting. And I think especially for someone like Jack, who's in that, uh, like you say, that top 10K to try and finish as high as he can. There's some uh, good little golden nuggets of information in there. Uh, so I'm going to kick us off with the last section, which is quickfire socials. Um, we've got a couple from um, our social media and some from our friends this week. So you've got 30 seconds on the clock for the questions, boys, and uh, give us your, your to-the-point answers on these. So Alex, um, new TV deal for the Premier League this week. How big is that £100 million for grassroots football? It's great that they're going to extend the support to areas of the football community, particularly vulnerable to the impacts of COVID-19, including lower leagues and non-league clubs. It's going to be massive. And that's the statement for them. And that's the quote. I think it's great news. I think we're really lucky in the UK because the TV rights have depreciated. They've half the price in Liga earn. They've struggled to sell them in Serie A and they've gone down by 10% of the Bundesliga. Great news for the Premier League. Great news for lower league. Let's start filtering more money down the pyramid. Yeah, really good points. Uh, Scott... Do you see Klopp rebuilding this Liverpool team in the same way that Pep has done with City? Yeah, I do. I think Klopp's track record just speaks for itself. He's a class manager. Um, what he's done with, I believe it was, was it Mainz and then obviously Dortmund in Germany is, is unbelievable. What he's done at Liverpool, that, that squad he took over is a joke compared to what it is now. Um, yeah, the, that you said, I think you touched on it earlier, the unbelievable starts of the season. Van Dijk injury is just absolutely hit him for six, and that's just hit everyone's confidence. So, big news for them. He's going to miss the Euros. That means he's going to be probably getting back early to training and getting himself fit for the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think they'll be definitely ones to watch again next season going forward. Um, different leagues, Atletico and Lille, top in their respective leagues. A couple of weeks ago in both of those, or a couple of game weeks. Um, anything crazy going to happen? How do you see those finishing? Big night tonight. I think Real Madrid have got Granada, so they'll go two points behind Atletico with two games to go. Fixtures look relatively relatively comfortable for both Atletico, Real, and also Barcelona. Barcelona four points off the top with two games to go, so probably out of it, I'd say, with two teams above them. Um, 
Atletico definitely the favourites. In terms of uh, Liga Earn, um, PSG drawing with Rennes and there's two games to go there as well. Three points in it, better goal difference. Um, but Lille have 11th and 12th in the league to play with both basically on the beach. So um, if I'm honest, Atletico and Lille both win their leagues, I think. Yeah, it could be great to see uh, some new teams winning that both those leagues. So brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, talking about uh, trophies, just both gut reaction, uh, just one word answers. FA Cup and Champions League. Who's winning it? Alex? Man City. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Man City. Man City for FA uh, for Champions League, Scott? Both, both for me. And FA <laughs> Oh, they lost the semis, did they? Um, um, Man City and I'm going to say Leicester. I'm going to go with my heart. I want to see Leicester win in the, the FA Cup. Rex? Uh, Man City for the Champions League and it'll be Chelsea for the FA Cup, but I want Leicester. Yeah. Okay, um, and Alex, which of the championship playoff teams that Scott mentioned earlier would you like to see promoted? Not which would you think, but what would you? Who would you like to see promoted? I'm a bit weird, really, um, because I think I, I want Yorkshire. I want Yorkshire team to get promoted. I don't, I don't fear the rivalries. I want, I want another Yorkshire team in the Premier League. I want Barnsley. Come on, Barnsley, get promoted. And Scott, just the final uh, quick fire today: Should Derby be dot points this year? Or next, and a little thought for Wickham. Yeah, probably going to go against every Leeds fan because they're still still obsessed with Derby County. Um, <laughs> no, not naming any names, um, but no, they shouldn't be. The season's done now. Um, they they they've got to move on. They've they've got to get on with it, and there's going to be appeals process. Wickham and Derby need to know where they're going to be now for next season, so they can retain the players. So no, it should be next season. Unlucky Wickham, but you deserve to go down. Yeah, fair, fair shout, fair shout. Uh, I think Wickham will probably feel differently, and I see a legal challenge coming on that one, so could could be interesting. Uh, so, yeah, that wraps us up. Good stuff, lads. Um, remember, for anyone listening, we are All In Football. We're all over social media, so do give us a fo- uh, follow on All In Football Pod on Instagram and All In Football P on Twitter. Um, all three of us, and hopefully Cully will be back next week to help you wrap up the season. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.